0: Good evening to you, our viewers, both locally and abroad, and welcome to what promises to be an exciting seven-episode digital Business Masterclass series, where we will showcase and feature and interview some of Jamaica's top businessmen and women. I'm your host Terry Carroll and it is a pleasure to be here with you. We just want to take the opportunity to thank you for visiting digitalbusiness.com and registering for free. And if you find value in it, we encourage you to share the link with your friends, your family, your inner circle, your coworkers so that they can benefit as well. Now we want you to be a part of the conversation so we also invite you to submit your questions to the online chat or you can use your social media platforms, but just make sure that you use the hashtags, hashtag, Digi- Digicel hashtag Digicel Business and we just want to remind you as well that your social media accounts must be open, they have to be public in order for us to see them. Now you must be asking, so what is this masterclass? Why, Why masters? Well, we are looking to interview the persons who are considered to be the masters of their fields, the masters in their industries. These are the persons who are top of class. And so to kick off this exclusive Digicel Masterclass series, we found a Jamaican, but not just any Jamaican, someone who has reached the highest echelons of corporate world and beyond. Who is he? I would like to introduce you to Richard Pandui. A passionate, hardworking, accomplished Jamaican man who is known in all of the spaces as a very transformational and visionary leader. But I think the thing he's most proud of is the fact that he's always giving back. He uses his position, his platform, always to give back to Jamaica. Now, in case you're wondering, so, you know, who is he and what does he do? He's currently the CEO of the separate group as well as the president of the JMEA. And before all of this, he also held prestigious roles, um, executive positions at British American Tobacco. He was the CEO of Carreras Group, Managing Director of IGL, Head of Coca-Cola Jamaica Limited, Head of Operations at the Caribbean and Central America for Craft. I cannot wait to have this discussion with you. Welcome to the
1: series. You look Nervous. Thank you, Terry. No, you say, I just feel like we should leave. I should leave now. <laughs> no. I can only go downhill from no.
0: her. <laughs> Welcome. Now, let, let me just make it absolutely clear that the, pers- the first person who is a guest um, speaker or, you know, guest interviewee normally sets the tone and the precedence for the rest of the series. No pressure
1: at all. Uh, Jean Lorichin done tweet this morning You know to look on this. I was like, okay, no pressure, Jean, no pressure. Really?
0: Okay. No, no, welcome. And <laughs> thank you for taking the time out. Now, before we dive into the questions, we have a lot of persons, SMEs, you know, we have entrepreneurs, yeah. young businessmen and women at different phases and stages of their businesses, right? So we're going to jump into the questions. But before that, just this morning, the Ministry of Education, Youth, and Information launched their one- Laptop, one tablet per child initiative. And I had the pleasure of hosting. Now, you are someone who has always given back. And Sepawad Foundation was one of the biggest contributors there in the room. And for persons who are not aware, what it is, is that we are trying to furnish and provide a laptop or tablet to about 100,000 children who are not on path, but who are, in fact, vulnerable. So from where you sit, and of course, Sepawad Foundation being a huge contributor, from where you sit, how important is it to have a corporate social arm as a business person?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, with, risk, with great responsibility, you know, you have to deliver. People expect us that if we're, if we're doing well, mm-hmm. if you're benefiting from the partnership in society, part of what you need to do is to give back. Absolutely. And, um, you know, CSR can be seen as a tool to enhance your brand, enhance your corporate image, but honestly, at SEPA, we just see that the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean for us it's really about making sure Jamaica progresses and um the pandemic has revealed some structural inequity we have seen a widening gap in the education between the haves and the have nots and so if we don't step in now as corporate citizens and do what we have to do we're going to create a pipeline of of just you know grief going down the road so it's really the CSR is really important yes but we see it as much more than that. We see ourselves as part of the fabric of Jamaica Absolutely. and our responsi- responsibility goes beyond our brand at this point.
0: Absolutely, and we thank you so very much because we always want to remind um, our business people, you know, those who are building their brands, that it isn't necessarily a publicity thing, but it is in fact doing the right thing. We're going for $4.5 billion and we're happy that there are companies like Sephardt Foundation who are at the helm and trying to encourage other persons to do it as yeah. well. So now you are in the hot seat. I hope everyone got their notepads, they got their pens, and they're ready to take notes because the masterclass is now in (laughs) session. So in the current business climate, while businesses are reducing their expenses, they're shrinking in size, they're cutting back, you still managed to pivot your business and increase net profit while other companies were losing. How important is diversification, and how would you encourage businesses to diversify, especially businesses that are not within the manufacturing industry.
1: Right. So that's three questions in one. So first of all, they, we have been having a tremendous year. The separate group turning in yes. record profits, etc. But it wasn't really because of what we're doing now mm-hmm. in this period. It's more the result of a journey that we undertook four years ago. I mean, we're four to five years ago. We set out with we a clear vision. Mm-hmm. We knew how we we're going to get there, and we executed like hell. And um, we have had some luck along the way. I mean, projects that we had planned to execute in 2022 were brought up last year, not knowing there was oh, well. a pandemic. So, right. So, I mean, you know, had a little bit a lot there. And of course, we're very diversified. Diversification is extremely important. And people diversify for a number of reasons. They diver- diversify to your risk, mm-hmm. or they can diversify to generate growth. I mean, we diversify to generate growth. And by the way, diversification refers not only to the products or the service, but also to where you, you sell your products. Or Where you engage people. Correct. You know, diversification means a lot of things. So diversification is definitely something that you want to do when you look at your managing growth or managing your risk, and it goes beyond a manufacturing space. It applies to anybody in the service industry. I've seen some wonderful examples of <laughs> diversification. I mean, I think of the entertainment industry. Correct. I mean, they bring in live your live dance to your, mm-hmm. to your room now, right? Or the sort of versus thing. I mean, right. it's created... Tweaking geni- the models. Tweaking the models. And by the way, diversification in this pandemic, sometimes I mean, you don't make the money but to keep your brand alive and correct. And relevant. Right. So it is very important because we'll get out of this. And you want to make sure your brand is still relevant to mm-hmm. capitalize when you come out of this. So the service, where well, I've seen people in the, in the design field I mean, expand their reach now using e-commerce to new markets outside Jamaica. Yes. So the pandemic has forced us to become creative, become innovative, and become more hungry. That is true. And uh, so in the survival mode, it has helped. It has helped a lot.
0: Now, let me ask you a question. Just as a follow-up, you were able to say that there were some projects that you might have projected for 2022. And for whatever reason, you said maybe it was luck, maybe it was vision, maybe it was a change Mm -hmm. or a trajectory change. And you were able to do it earlier. How? do businesses prepare for uncertainty? And is it something that we can actually prepare for?
1: Well, uncertainty is a part of business, a part mm-hmm. of life. So I mean, you know, when you're when you developing your strategy and your tactics to get there, you have to be always factor, what are the what ifs? What could happen? And you have multiple scenarios. So we do that. So at this point in time, actually at separate, I'm going through my strategic process for the next three years. And I was at one facility today and you go through all the scenarios. What could happen? What if this happened? What if that happened? And you constantly, it's an iterative process. So you're looking at the environment, and as things change, you put it back. And you see how it affects it and how it affects it. So uncertainty is a part of life, and you have to be planning for the scenarios because as an entrepreneur, you don't have the space or the time to sit down you have to know exactly. These are my options. This is what I'm going to pick if this happens. Right. This is I'm going to pick if that and it's not
0: fixed either. It's, the it's, market is not fixed. Even your um, I think even your demographics, sometimes even your clients and customers
1: change. Listen, the biggest risk in the in the assert, the biggest risk factor is actually your your consumers, your mm-hmm. customers. Mm-hmm. Shifting taste, shifting behavior, it can turn your brand from being relevant to irrelevant very quickly. So those you know, especially customers, the economic environment mm-hmm. can change dramatically on you. I mean, the you know, last year, this time, Jamaica was moving. We're yeah, we were man. booming. We're like besting our around, you know, top of the world. And just just like that, the environment changed. So, I mean, you have to, you can't plan for a one, one 100 years pandemic necessarily. Right. But, you know, we, things are happening all the time.
0: And how important is it um, to have that flexibility and that flexible mindset? We've seen a lot of businesses Uh, analyze a pain point you know they've always said that the businesses that do very well are the ones that look at the market they look at the consumers they they find a problem or a pain point and they become the solution but how important is it for them to also have a flex a flexible mindset in order to adapt and change and change with uncertainties
1: for for successful entrepreneurs for successful business for successful people adaptability is key Mm -hmm. I mean they say I mean the things that survive are not the strongest or the fittest but the most adaptable right so you have to be able to flex and to change with it. I mean, having a fixed approach and saying, this is how we're going to do things, going to lead to failure mm-hmm. because it changes. And sometimes you have to turn left to go right. And um, so, you know, entrepreneurs, especially SMEs, you have to be adaptable and flexible and looking for different ways to do things. And I mean, it's, um, uh, you have to look for the, what you don't expect. And I mean, I can give some ex- an example. I, mean, now, ta- I, was, I was very impressed with King Alarm during the pandemic a security company providing right. security, but then offer a service to fill prescription for their elderly, um, for their senior, senior customers. Mm-hmm. They're pivoted. They offer that service and a value proposition that work. So you always have to be looking, what are the value proposition I can bring to my brand or to my product to make it interesting for my people to stay with me? Correct. Again, everything no necessarily bring in revenue at the time, but it enhances your brand. And the brand equity is what drives your profitability, ability to take you know, take profit going forward.
0: And it allows you to expand into um, spaces. I think one of the things we have seen are uh, entrepreneurs who have not necessarily looked at the other areas or even broken down their demographics. So they treat everyone very general, and they don't really take the time to know who their customers are. They have a product, they have a good, they have a service, and that is it. And I think what King Alarm was able to do, they identified that particular problem because they had a better understanding of who are my customers, and how can I help them further?
1: And and helping those particular customers, they resonated well with other customers. Because people like to see people doing good things. They, they like to see it out there. You know, you talk about CSR and et cetera. People want people to do good. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that, um, you know, I, I, I encourage entrepreneurs and businesses to Keep just just stretch boundaries, look beyond what you just this is my brand and my focus and my thing. Mm-hmm. What else can I do to bring value to, to what I'm doing?
0: Of course. Um, what is your biggest lesson? You have held prestigious roles across different companies, very large brands, different industries. Biggest lesson execution, really?
1: Yeah, it's I mean, it's people have great ideas, many people have great ideas. Sit with them and you. You got somewhere to tell you about the ideas, amazing ideas. And, um, you know, they probably even know how they want to get there. Mm -hmm. But always the issue that we have is that people don't execute well. Execution becomes a competitive advantage in our environment. Because people keep forgetting, it takes a lot of sweat equity. It Mm -hmm. takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of understanding your environment, understanding your customer, your consumer, but execution is what I mean, that makes a difference. That
0: is where we tend to fl- fall fall flat. Big time. So it's good to have the ideas, but unless you can execute it and to create a great brand experience, and that is no matter what industry or field you may be in, try to execute at a very high level.
1: At a very high level, and keep focused doing that. But I mean, it's um that is that is if I had to pick one thing in Jamaica or beyond, mm-hmm. especially in Jamaica, that is I think that's something that we need to get right.
0: Okay. Okay, I hear you. As the chairman of JMEA, what advice would you give to businesses to be better equipped to tap into the diaspora, the marketplace, the global marketplace?
1: So, the diaspora, I mean, that's very interesting. I mean, so we're talking about the Jamaican diaspora, Mm -hmm. I assume. And I think a lot of time we're so focused on the Jamaican diaspora that we we leave out the picture of the Caribbean diaspora, Mm -hmm. the Hispanic diaspora. I mean, so it's estimated that there are probably, I don't know, 1.52 million Jamaicans. Let's take the U.S. Right. There's probably another um, three million Caribbean people and there's fifty-five million Hispanics. I think our products are sometimes too narrowed okay. for just the Jamaican public. And we have great products here that people want exactly. elsewhere. And
0: that's and that's regardless of what their race, ethnicity,
1: exactly. So I think that's something that I think entrepreneurs need to look, you know, we're more than Jamaica. We are a global brand. Jamaica is a global brand.
2: True.
1: We people want our stuff. So let's get out to the bigger picture, you know. A smaller percentage of 55, 60 million population is better than chasing so you know, only say one better. and a half, two million. That's
0: so much better. That's,
1: that's, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, and for diaspora, again, supply. You know, when I go to the UK or wherever you meet with um, the diaspora business people there, they complain, a, a sample thing on our day, with man, a sample, a sample business. You know, you give us something, you excite us, and then when we put in the order, we can't, can't get, get, get it. it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, you know, when you're going to excite customers and consumers, make sure your supply chain is there to fulfill it because the reputational damage you suffer when you don't do that is very hard to recover from.
0: We just had this, I just had this conversation with a friend of mine, and we said sometimes some brands never recover. Sometimes they have to literally change their name, change their branding in order to do it. But it goes back to what you said about execution. Having the idea, having the swatches or the samples, but then when the moment comes that you are to deliver or to yes. execute, that is what
1: happens. Right. So, so, those things for the diaspora comes to mind, and um, the other thing for diaspora, I would say, is when you when you talk to them, it's just about um, the, we have to be making sure that we understand the compliance of the market, regulatory mm-hmm. compliance. That's also a major feeling, and it it's very difficult. I have, I have so much sympathy for the for for smaller businesses because it takes a lot of effort, mm-hmm. and many of the larger companies have, you know, they have a whole compliance department Correct. to understand the regulation. Compliance, legal, everything. But the regulatory framework is a barrier right to entry, right? And it's used by, by countries. And this is something, this is some place I think that Jampro mm-hmm. could do a fantastic job for, the, for small, because you don't have the time as an entrepreneur to put in that resource and to all that. So you want to go somewhere and say, I want to export to Canada. Right. What, what labeling standards, what are, so you need to get that. That needs to be done. And a lot of companies, um, you know, follow on that part, even large companies. I mean, sometimes we're exporting something on customs in USA suddenly sees it and you're like, yo, I must do this for like 30 years. What? Well, no. How come, no? come, come? You now? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's, that is, those are three things I'd concentrate and I think that the, the last one, the regulatory thing, and just, you know, your brand, um, registering your brands. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are out there stealing brands left, right, and center. And that is something in Jamaica that we should do better on. There's something called the Madrid Protocol that's been in place for about seven years. Say
0: that again, just Mad- The
1: Madrid Protocol. <laughs> now what this means is that you as a brand owner can register in one place and your brand is protected everywhere. Believe it or not, our own Jamaicans are the ones preventing us from enforcing that legislation. No
2: way.
1: Same way, sir. And I mean, listen, I'm going to ball up about this, till somebody <laughs> change it because it's unbelievable to me that companies have to be spending so much money registering in so many different countries. Correct. When there's a global legislation allow you to go to one place, register, and you protect your brands. So Jamaican small businesses, a lot of them are being exploited abroad. People see a product and then get somebody to make it, and it's called Jamaican made, or Jamaican this, or something like that. Correct. And you, the person who developed the brand, you, the person who invested so much in it, don't benefit.
0: So um, just hold that point. We just want to remind you, if you are listening, if you have any questions, any concerns, maybe you need any clarifications, please go ahead and drop your questions in the online chat. And you can use your social media platforms using the hashtags, Digicel Masterclass and hashtag Digicel Business. We're going back to this. Why isn't this commonplace? Is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it our responsibility as the entrepreneur to research more, or to dig more, or is it that the resources are not readily available, that we need more awareness and education in the space? Well,
1: first of all, we have to define as a country how we say entrepreneurs. Mm. Entrepreneurial activities have to be the growth engine of our economy, meaning that the economic prosperity of our country has to be driven by the amount of small businesses that are going to scale up and going to be successful. If we truly believe that, and that's the way it has to be, you see it in India, USA, whatever, then we have to create an environment that's conducive for entrepreneurs to want to go into the space and to be successful. Remember, it's a high-risk business and there's a high probability of failure. So if we determine that we need X amount of small business to be successful, the pipeline has to have multiples of that. Hmm. And for the pipeline to have multiples of that, we have to create the environment. It cannot be that it make things onerous for people when they're starting up. You're killing them before they start. I think the government has made some good move. Mm-hmm. Eliminating the minimum business tax was a good move.
0: Correct. It we saw. I think. I think even companies, uh, Jamaica, had said that they saw. I think uh, over a hundred percent increase in registration yeah. of businesses as soon as that came out.
1: Exactly. We need to give. We need. We need. The, the entrepreneurs don't have the time nor the space to do all the research. They need to be able to have a place where they can go and get the data. And the one thing that kills business in Jamaica is a lack of data.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We just don't have. We have. We have who just don't have data. And I mean, if you don't have data, you're already, you're swimming against as the a tide. disadvantage. Yeah, so we as a country need to create the the, the the repository for you to go and say, okay, I want to go into XY business. And you go oh, there oh. and you get all the data for it. And they allow it I mean, it's doing business in Jamaica is just too hard. It's
0: hard. And I've heard yeah. so many people say this. And, and I've heard that that is one of the reasons why we look at the statistics, the fact that some businesses, even though they have a great model, great idea, great product, cannot get past even their first
1: year because it's just too hard. And I mean, you, know, I'm to, I mean, you have to be a schizophrenic to be an entrepreneur because you have to be the leader, you have to be the manager, you have to be the research person, you have to be... You The less of those you have to do, there's a better chance that you'll be able to concentrate on the Bigger execution picture. and getting the thing done. Bigger picture. So I am, you know... I, I just believe that so much more could be done. And, you know, there's a responsibility on the private sector part uh, for mm-hmm. larger companies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I believe that, you know, companies should allocate a certain percentage of their business to entrepreneurs, especially the oh, nice. startup. Because, nice. and you're not being altruistic, you're just being practical. The ship raises when the tide raises, right? The more successful businesses are, the more people they employ, they'll have more disposable Naturally. income, they'll buy your product, right? So I think... The
0: economy thrives. This, everybody, it, everybody benefit. Everybody.
1: Win-win. And... The problem that we have in our society is that we think it's a zero-sum game. We think that if you win, I lose. Correct. We can win. And we we can, both can
0: benefit. We both
1: can benefit to a point that's be- even better than the individual benefit. I think we need to get that attitude. So, and I also believe that something we push should push for, and Jamie, we're looking at it, is that if the larger companies could allocate a certain amount of hours, because one of the major failing of um, entrepreneurs is a lack of um, access to competent finance people. So they're not, they don't have their so they can't they're not act, equipped. Yeah, so they can't access the, the loans or the financial support because they don't have a, they don't have their balance sheet and their it's PL nice and, and then whatever. Well. So you know, I think if we allocate X amount of hours per week, a company could pick three companies, three entrepreneurs and say we're gonna allocate our finance people for X amount of hours to help you get this there to help get
0: how much better it would be?
1: How much better it would be? Because we have the resources, we have them there anyway. And a lot of the employees that we have want to do good. You know, people want people to thrive, especially in this time where so much people have been affected. Mm-hmm. 200,000 Jamaicans are of a job today that were in a job last year this time. Correct. What are they going to do? There's nobody to employ. We're going to look for entrepreneurial activity to grow. So I think that there's a responsibility on the government side and on private sector side. I mean, it's a collective responsibility. Well, I was
0: just about to say that I think, and we've been hearing it more often, instead of it looking, being looked at as a competition. You know we have to realize that the pie is in fact very big and that we can stand to gain more by simple collaboration and it doesn't mean giving away your secret sauce right. it doesn't mean by giving a business you know the blueprint to what it is you do but as you rightfully said looking at the areas where they are more likely to have to be disadvantaged right. and to use the resources that you have to say all right i see you good model if you thrive then this could be huge for not only your business not just your community but jamaica at large. And I think that is probably the mindset that you're seeing, that we yeah. need to also shift We need to shift that the company. Space. And the
1: entrepreneurs themselves also need to create their own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, go to a co-working space hub or whatever, meet other entrepreneurs, create an ecosystem where you're sharing information. Sharing and collaborating is good. It is. It <laughs> and is. I mean, and, and, and going back to private sector, large companies, you know, large companies working with large companies are not going to bring growth to this country. <laughs> That's the reality. We have to work with smaller companies, and that's, how we, thri- that's how we thrive. I mean, it's um, our latest collaboration at Sepul, you know, we launched a cassava flour. And I mean, we could have gone with a large company. We could have, I mean, we're working with an entrepreneur. Yes. We have locked him in and said, listen, this is our volume going for him. You don't have to think about that no more. Wow. In turn, he goes to the farmers, mm-hmm. and he has locked them into things. So that our whole chain, supply chain is being created. For something because we can bring our skill to the table in export we can spend money on the export we can get it in the markets and they can produce efficiently
0: but and again it goes back to the fact that if you if you decide that you are going to and, and again it's, it's 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 both sides eh? both parties both entities because if a business decides to take the risk to go with a small business or medium sized business again it goes back to what you said and i think it's very important you must be able to deliver. Must you be must be able to deliver. If you get that opportunity, please understand that if you deliver well, opportunities open even further and even beyond the, the business that has taken As long it.
1: as all parties are fair, because uh, one thing I learned from one of my jobs, I, I've had many jobs, right? I, mean, it's, I say jobs as projects. I mean, I, I've never looked for a career. I just say jobs as projects. One thing you learn is that you want the entire chain to be financially healthy. Mm. I mean, many t- if I am taking something from you, I mustn't try to extract every cent out of you. I must leave you in a position where you are financially healthy. Correct. Because helps, you know. So, and I think that's something that we need to develop in the country. Where not to pre-
0: milk someone dry. Yeah. It's not your problem. Exactly. It's not my I problem.
1: mean, I, I was I was so distressed when I started the pandemic when I saw so many small chicken farmers, and they complained, Their biggest complaint when people take the chicken and they haven't paid them, they can't. Credit. And I mean, people taking advantage of people that way. I'm just saying, let us financials. I mean, everybody can live in you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it. And everybody can prosper in you know, it, but we have to but be, be fair. Yeah.
0: You just mentioned that you've had you know, different jobs that you've looked at as, as projects. What is the best advice that you've ever received, whether it was from a formal mentor or not? What's the best, whether it is uh, personal advice or business advice, that you can share with our SMEs, our entrepreneurs, or young professionals? So best advice?
1: I'm ashamed to tell you the best advice I ever got, I didn't follow. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was in my 20s, you know, um, an entrepreneur in Montague, I was living in Montague and working, and he said to me, listen, you have a whole heap of potential in my youth. Start your thing. You know, we'll back here and it started. Uh-huh. And he said, even if you can't just start it. And I didn't. And I mean, you know, to this day, when I see him, I have to hide because <laughs> he, he tells me that I'm so, I'm ashamed of you. Oh, you're no, such a you're disab- disappointed. You're such a disappointment. So the best advice is, was that invest in yourself, better yourself, mm-hmm. do something, you know. I mean, it don't mean that you have to be one or the other, or the opportunity to do the world, But I mean, that, I think in retrospect, mm-hmm. that was the best advice I got. And I didn't follow it. And you didn't follow it. it? No.
0: No, the question, the follow-up question, naturally, for anybody watching, would be, Why? Was it fair? Was it, you know, a, a, a lack of, of confidence in terms of where you were at at that particular stage, which is usually a question that a lot of entrepreneurs have. Some people are in nine to fives right now. They do very well. They're assets for other companies. And when you say, hey, you know, you should shove out, they kind of go, oh, I don't know. Yeah. What was yours, if you can remember?
1: No, I can't remember. I mean, it's setting in what I can't <laughs> remember. Um you know, when I look at it, look back, I mean, the, f- the fact is that so I didn't have the typical car- um, carpeting of mentors and those things. So if you ask me about who my mentor was and what, mm-hmm. I didn't have that really. right? I had a close friend, I mean, that um, one of my boss, Patrick Smith, who gave me a lot of freedom. But, you know, everything was kind of pull up your own bootstrap, whatever. I think the, the, the and as a first child in the family, you had responsibilities, right? Yes. Uh, so, when, so people like me are going up. You're me your, your parents' pension, and, that's, mean, and, 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 and sadly, that's still something yeah, that's um, a
0: part of our culture. Right.
1: So, it 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 reduces your risk averseness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, you know, so I understood. So, safety I think and security. Safety and security. I mean, and I, I mean, but in the end, if I were to if I were to ask myself, maybe I just didn't have the confidence, mm-hmm. and to, to believe I could have executed at that level mm-hmm. because I never have the network, I never have this, but. You know, when I look at the people that I admire the most, they're so entrepreneurial in what they do. Mm-hmm. And I believe I'm an entrepreneur. I believe I run a business like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, would have, I said, would have been able to do very well. But Richard, is it too late? Never too late. It's,
0: is it too late for you to say, all right, you know what? I can do this thing. Never so too late. So that he li- no longer tells you that you're a disappointment.
1: It's never too late. But, you know, you have different parts along your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I came back to Jamaica five years ago, the family, and um, they, one thing you want is a legacy, right? I believe in legacy. Mm-hmm. I think um, you want to leave something that people remember you by and what you did. I believe that I, I mean, you know, Seprod was a major project to turn around yes. and to move to the next level. Yes. I believe that in the platform that I've been honored to give, like at the JMEA, you interact and interface with so many micro, small businesses, and you're able to help. Mm-hmm. And so on a daily basis, I am helping and contributing. And take a great deal of satisfaction from that.
2: Awesome.
1: So I mean, it's you know, it's a, just a different part of the journey. And um, you know, you know, I encourage our I four boys, and I encourage, yeah, I, I read the wow. condom instruction, wow. <laughs> but um, wow. but um, I encourage them, like mm-hmm. you know, think big, mm-hmm. think entrepreneurial. You don't have the, the 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 fear that I would have had about you. Right. Uh, expand and go out there. And, right. you know, and I mean, that's maybe I live vicariously through them
0: ah and that's fine and, yeah. and and that is legacy that, that is, is legacy, legacy. Exactly. sometimes we can't always be everything but we can set the stage yeah. for the generations to come so you have held ceo position executive positions head and with 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 those positions come you know difficult decisions adversity challenges difficult decisions what has been if you can mention it one of your biggest decisions or hardest decisions yeah. to make in your, in your career.
1: So I'll just preface that by saying that sometimes we're always wondering what we should do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we always have to ask the question, what should we not be doing also? Very important. Very important. I mean, today, in, when I was with my team, part one of the team, the business unit team, and they were telling what they wanted, I said, what are we not going to do? That's a harder question to answer. And one of the hardest decisions I've had to make was um, to exit the sugar manufacturing business oh. with Seprod. I mean, you know, several hundred people were affected. And um, it was particularly close because I spent a lot of time sent to us, my grandmother is buried there, everything. Yeah. And, um, but it was the right decision. I mean, you know, it was the right decision for the company, it was the right decision to move forward. Hmm. But it was a very tough decision. And every time, I'll tell you this though, every time you have to make a decision that impacts impact people's lives, it bothers me
2: yeah
1: because i don't see the per- i don't see the person i see their families behind them i mean they said that for every person in jamaica there are six dependents
2: correct
1: so it's very difficult and i mean coming from you know a background so a working class background i mean I, my father i mean remember was made redundant from a position etc mm-hmm. i saw the impact it had on him and i've always said that i just don't want i want to bring positivity to people's right. life so every time i have to make a tough decision it, it, it
0: and it doesn't get easier it doesn't matter if the field or the industry or even the role or station that you hold those tough decisions do not get any easier they as far as i've, I've heard
1: do, no they don't get any easier and i mean you know it's and i it, it doesn't get any easier and sometimes you try to figure it out. Know, you wish you could do everything to make everyone happy but sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture and sometimes in, in creating making sure the company survive making sure your business survives mm-hmm. and that's the other thing with entrepreneurs i find one thing that I find is that sometimes you have the wrong people in position mm-hmm. and they take too long to make the changes. And I mean, you know, it's all about your team to execute and get there. You could have a vision, you could have this, if you don't have the people to execute, that's a problem. Correct. And many times entrepreneurs, they have the wrong people
2: in
1: mm-hmm. the wrong place. Or they have the right people at the wrong time. But whatever it is, you have to know what it is that you need at this point in time to, to succeed. To and if it's not working for you, listen, you Your business has to survive.
0: Fail fast, hurry up, up, cut your losses. Cut
1: your losses and move on. So that was...
0: I (laughs) remember. No, no, I remember. I think that is probably one of the best advices that uh, Christopher Barnes has ever told me. He said, listen, if you're going to fail, because it comes with taking risks and trying to find Mm -hmm. out what your opportunities are, if you're going to fail, he said, fail fast. Fail fast, learn from it, make a note of what went wrong, what was good, what you're keeping, what you're not doing, and keep it moving. The longer you wait and you're, you're expecting different results, but your strategy has not changed, your approach hasn't changed, you're not going to get the same results. So fail fast and keep it moving.
1: Absolutely. And in my case, I mean, I can't say myself to want, but I'm growth-oriented. I want to grow. So I'm not, going to, I'm not the person you're bringing to cut the size of an organization, mm-hmm. to profitability, I'm the person you're bringing to grow your organization. And therefore, you know, for every job that has been lost under me, I'm mentally counting every job that I'm bringing back.
0: Right. To cover
1: that. I mean, it's almost like a personal obligation now to bring back jobs.
0: We appreciate and that. And to
1: make sure that to cover those the, the people that have been, you know.
0: Ha, have been uh, affected like or, or, or been displaced. Affected, yeah, yeah. Um, what is it about your pro- your approach as Richard Pandui, as an individual? What has it been about your approach that allows you or has allowed you to be as successful as you have been?
1: Right. Um, the, I'd say one thing, my ability to focus. Mm-hmm. There's lots of noise around you all the time. I really can just get away from the noise and focus on what it is that needs to be done to create, to shift the dial. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's an ability that I have. That's very important. I mean, I work hard. I put in the work. I mean, people, you know, no, no amount of social media posting or a can account for the sweat equity you have to put in <laughs> your business. <laughs> in fact, to, to post properly, you have to have content. <laughs> so you have to work hard. I mean, I spend a lot of time researching, mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time talking to people. Not by titles, but by people on the ground doing the work. I Who mean, are I,
0: seeing and feeling and experiencing. I mean,
1: my best visits are my most important visits. Are when I go to a, a small manufacturer, or whatever, and ask them how they're doing, what they're doing. And they, a man tell you that. Listen, I started out. I mean, Carlton for Carl's, for example. Mm-hmm. Tell you that I started out selling bag juice, and them daughters sleep in the back of the car while I'm driving to Portmore. That's inspirational. That's inspiration. You look what they're doing. You look at the companies out there, people start by putting their backpack on their bags, going to store to tourist Correct. and stuff. That's inspirational. And so those are the people that I try to stay grounded and connected to because it helps to make the decision. And I mean, the other thing is that I'm very um, focused on my, my consumers, my customers. Good. I mean, they're the ones that you're working to, to deliver value proposition to. So you have to stay close to them. And I mean, so those things, And I mean, it's um, I'm a mother prize. <laughs> We can't leave that out. We can't leave
0: that out. Do you do you do you think because you have had experience, um, not just locally but but Mm -hmm. but internationally, do you think that being a Jamaican has given you a little advantage, a little bit of sauce that has um, helped you in your business life? Because we like to think that being a Jamaican makes us special, you know. But. Has that been your experience, even in terms of meetings, meeting people? Do they tend to warm up to the so idea because you're Jamaican? Ab- what abso- have you experienced?
1: Absolutely. So, Jamaica is a global brand. And uh, people think about you saying Bolter or Bob Marley, but Jamaica is people, it's us. Mm-hmm. When people think of Jamaica, they think of warmth and creativity yes, and whatever. And a vibe. And a vibe. So, they go in the room, you know, they want to meet you, they want to know you. So, being Jamaican has helped me to develop relationships. Mm-hmm. Very important, again, for, for business people, entrepreneurs, is about relationship building. Right. I mean, you can't do this on your own. Mm-hmm. You need relationships. So those relationships have been positive. Jamaica right. make it positive, you know. Good. You know, them just want to get a friend, so if they come to Jamaica, they know somebody to visit.
0: But <laughs> or they can get you saying to sign something. Or
1: something. But Well, I don't have them links like you, I mean, just, I mean, <laughs> But the fact is that um, being Jamaican has opened the doors to many positive relationships. Good. And relationships, are, I mean, no matter what happened, those relationships that you developed 15, 20 years ago so, are the same relationships sometimes. That you that, can leverage. That you're leveraging.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we have a question from Kerry Gooding, and we want to thank you so very much for submitting <coughs> your question. And that is, do you think that Caribbean people need a form of angel funding?
1: Well, the capital, access capital. to capital is very important. And um, either angel funding or capital funding in whatever form is critical to a business success. I mean, in fact, one of the things that, um, that is critical to survive is your cash flow management. Mm-hmm. What I've found, though, is that even when it's available many times, the, the, the entrepreneurs don't have the, they don't have the paperwork to access it, I mean, because you can't just walk into a bank and you don't have an idea. You have to go in there and show them what you're doing, how you're going to do it, what, and I think that's where the gap is. The support in developing the financial plans, et cetera, is very important. So we talk about angel fund. And we have seen in jamaica yes we have seen the development bank of jamaica it's just some stuff and they've taken the risk from the banks um grants, grants know, of course but you still have to be able to show the to show the plan to show you to show you to what your, your, what your balance sheet looking like and
0: it's funny you should say this i had the opportunity of hosting a panel discussion and it was it, it funny enough it was with angel investors And one of the things um, I asked uh, the the, the lady was, you know, what makes you sign on? Like, what makes you say awesome? She says, hey, lots of entrepreneurs, especially in Jamaica, because we do, I think, naturally have an entrepreneurial spirit. What she said is that a lot of people come, and when you start to ask them for questions and data and research, everything is gut. They kind of have a feeling that this is what it's going to be. I have a feeling that that's going to be the, the projection. And she said, you can't do that. If you want to be taken seriously, and you want people who are going to back you with their money to take you seriously, then you have to come with your paperwork.
1: And you have to know what to talk about. And you have to know. You what you're have to talking know. About. I mean, so I think that is something which is where the mentorship can come into place. Things like jumpers come in place for research. I mean, those are important things. So the mm-hmm. funding is one part, but you have to be able to access those fundings. You have to have everything lined up properly.
0: And to know how to pitch, and to know your product. So another question is a lot of. Entrepreneurs start business with their life savings, which makes um, anxiety and fear great. How can we protect ourselves from the risk? And can we even?
1: Wow! That's
0: That's a big question, and that's a good question, Richard.
1: Over to you. Well, first (laughs) of all, my preference is that if you if you take other people's money and fund (laughs) your business, I mean, nothing wrong with debt, Mm -hmm. as long as the debt is working Mm -hmm. to deliver to deliver more than it's costing to acquire debt. I think when you When when you're an entrepreneur, you take on so much risk, the probability of failure is high. And um, that anxiety that's been asked about can be such a negative pressure on you. It doesn't give you any, you don't have no space Mm -hmm. to to, to maneuver, to to take a a blow and recover. So I think that it's, um, you know, it's again... it, it, I, I don't like the idea of taking life savings, and so that you have nothing. Yet. The safety net is not there. You need that safety net.
0: And you spoke about being financially he- healthy. And like you need to be financially healthy along your chain.
1: You have, you have, you have to be at that. So I mean, my preference is that we, you find access to the angel funding, the grant funding. The low-interest um, loans through development banks. that's would be my preference for an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. instead of going and putting everything out there. You could go from having a dream to being poverty in no time.
0: Correct, correct. And and it isn't to say that you shouldn't put some skin in the game. You know, we've always no, heard, you know, banks and even um, funders have said, you know, it's good to see entrepreneurs who are willing to put some skin in the game. But what we do not want you to do. Is throw everything in there and then there's no cushion. Yeah,
1: I mean, just in case. No, skin, so in, the, skin in the game is important. Mm-hmm. It shows commitment to your project, but it can't be everything, everything in the game. It's all or nothing. It's I mean, that's I mean, especially if you're not I mean, if you're young, etc. You can't take that blow. Because I mean, you can do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it depends on the stage of, or in life. When some boys say they take a life saving, I'm thinking they're they're bit on their journey. Getting
0: ready for right. your pension so, or so, retirement. So
1: I think that is where you know you have to be manage. smart about yeah. it.
0: All right, we have another question. Can Mr. Pandui recommend the profile of a good mentor? So what are some of the attributes? Or Because mentor, honestly, the term mentorship, I didn't even know this term coming up. And I think just like you, you said you, know, you really didn't have mentors. I went through college in Cuba, never heard of mentorship until I really came back to Jamaica and I heard you need to have a mentor. But many people have heard the term, but they don't really necessarily understand like what should they be looking for from a mentor.
1: So I'm going to recommend in theory because I've never used one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or the ones you've seen who have been good mentors. Yeah, and I
1: mean, it's, um, <laughs> but I think, first of all, you have to find somebody who's truly passionate about the business. Like, I mean, they're passionate about helping persons mm-hmm. and helping you. Okay, you want somebody to do that as opposed to somebody who's giving a bit of your time. You want somebody who's passionate about helping people. You want somebody who has had the experience. The experience of failure, possibly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, many times we look at what makes people successful, but you also have to find out you know, the people who recover from failure. I think they made the best mentors from right, what I've seen. Right. And um, they must have the capacity to help you to network properly. I mean, it's, um, it, you want somebody who can help you to leverage yourself beyond that. Right. So, those are things that come to me. If I had to pick a mentor, that's what I'd pick. I and mean, if you
0: had to pick a mentor, even right now, who would it be?
1: Off the top mean? of your head. If All you
0: could pick a mentor right now,
1: I mean, to I, take you
0: even further than where you've already been in the stratosphere, who would it be? No, so I
1: mean, I, I, the, the, my first significant position was actually as an operations manager at Jamaica Biscuit Company, mm-hmm. the general manager, there was Patrick Smith, and he, a lot of freedom, I've, I've stayed very close to him, and nice. i I'd definitely pick him as a mentor, and um, yeah, that's what com, comes to mind, I mean, it's, um,
0: fantastic,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, it's, but there are many, there are, there are so many tremendous talents out there, I mean, I mean I'd pick a woman as a mentor. Yeah, I mean it's um you know, I've i I've, I've seen, you know, you look in the banking sector you see the rise and I've seen it and I 50%. mean I mean it's tremendous. I mean it's um I've seen just tremendous talent out there and sometimes the mentor you're looking for is somebody not similar to you, but mm-hmm. different from you, mm-hmm. you to pull out your different aspects of it.
0: Correct. The only thing I was going to add, um, because I've seen this, this question before, and I've seen different types of persons answer this question, and they've said a lot of the times it isn't even one mentor. They said sometimes you find a mentor who is in the industry that you are trying mm-hmm. to, get, you know, to get into because then they have the insights that is very specialized for that area. But they say you also need mentors who are removed who are unbiased and can help you to look um, uh, at your industry very differently because they're not uh, prejudiced by what they're already experiencing. Yeah,
1: and I mean, it's good, but I mean, you know, the, the idea of a mentor is typically, um, if I may say this, it's very socioeconomic driven. I mean, so people of a certain level will have people saying, let me mentor, let me help you. Mm-hmm. The majority of Jamaicans, you know, not going to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Cause you're in an environment everybody's moving and struggling Everybody and what to.
0: Everybody trying right, to do so that thing for themselves.
1: So I mean, I don't want people to feel that you know you have to have a mentor to be successful. You have, a mentor would be an, a huge asset. But go out there and I mean, in you know, a research, mm-hmm. there's with, with e-commerce you now on the platform. There's so much opportunity. So
0: much information. To, to
1: almost self-mentor if you had to. <laughs> so much. I don't even know if that's a that word, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, yeah, don't limit yourself. Read widely. Mm-hmm. Research. And I mean, and, and just look at somebody did. Pick somebody that you admire and all look right. at how they operate and what they do. And the
0: breadcrumbs that they have left behind.
1: Right, I mean. You mentioned
0: Patrick Smith. And you said, you know, you would choose a, a woman as a mentor. And you even used the banking um, industry as an example of how women are now, what, 50-50. Um, which of the four women would you say, all right, I would choose that mentor?
1: Well... I choose one that is not in the sector right now, Jackie Sharp. All right. I mean, and I have uh, someone that I admire, very, in strength, very instrumental in me coming back home. She said, you have to come home, come help. Jamaica need, nice. Jamaica need Jamaicans to come back. I no. mean, she stepped away from a huge corporate job to go into, into, into farming, in her coffee business with her husband. Admire that greatly. Fantastic. So it's, I'd, I'd pick her.
0: Okay, fantastic. Okay, so from IG, um, what, if, from the, from Go Daily, thank you for your question. What is the proper way to do research in your market is there a proper way
1: it depends on the market so um when i was working the global companies let's take jamaica mm-hmm. jamaica was very difficult to sell projects on because we don't have data, data. We, we do have nielsen and those things you know? so when i was presenting on Damrep rep or costa rica whatever i could have pulled nielsen data you know
2: stats whatever stats.
1: and when i reached jamaica yo um you know <laughs> we just <laughs> we just don't we're just not data driven we don't have data so if you're talking about Jamaica, I'm assuming this um, is a Jamaica question about proper data research. You have to go on the ground.
2: You
1: mm. have to develop yourself. I mean, it's um, recently we launched a product and uh, for me it was going too slow. I put three cases in the back of my van and I just drove. I saw some social media people and I asked, where are you? DM them. Yeah, I'm in I just go deliver the thing to them. Ask them their opinion. Ask Get them their feedback. I said, so I go on the ground and I want to know. I want to speak to the people. I mean... I'd stand up in a supermarket and I'd shop for hours. I mean, uh, I think some women think I was stalking them. I well, really I'm just researching. I hope
0: you weren't stalking people nah, while I, they were
1: going through their i just look, at I church. just look in their trolley and like, you know, just start a conversation. How come it mean? What right. you know? And you learn.
2: Right. You learn.
1: And I mean, also look, what I do is that I look for similar markets where I am, but markets that are more developed with data. Mm-hmm. So I pick. So like right now, I mean, every night I'd go and I'd look on supply chain or a company and pick a country, I'd pick a country, Singapore or whatever and I'm researching what's happening there and what trend is happening there. Because the trend that's happening there is likely to happen here also. Correct. So I'm actually using them as a proxy for what's happening there. And say get that sense of what risk you face, what opportunities you face, how are people reacting to to to. to, so- to-
0: so it's almost like a blended approach as well. So if, if, if you can find the data or if you can look again for the digital breadcrumbs that other companies leave
1: or other, b- countries. or other
0: countries by all means, but then it does not take away from you developing your own surveys, developing your own assessments and hitting the ground.
1: Yeah, because you have nuances in your own market that, you know, that you're going to have to factor it into and your decision making.
0: about our, our marketing Right. Particular.
1: I mean, it's, um, and by the way, for me, I see the Caribbean as our market or a domestic market. I've never considered Jamaica as our, I the Caribbean, CARICOM as my domestic market. But it's, again, I mean, we have to do as much as possible to find information mm-hmm. because there are, a lot of time you think you're innovating, but you're really not innovating. Yeah. You just you, what you need to access what has happened somewhere and adapt it quickly to your market. Your market. So you want to be first mover in your market. Correct. But you're not first mover globally. Mm-hmm. It's highly unlikely to be the first mover globally. And there's
0: nothing wrong with that. And not nothing wrong with wrong wrong that.
1: It's speed it's it's first mover here. I mean you want to you want to see it, adapt it and move it quickly. Okay. I mean, so that's
0: sounds like a plan. So Kerry Gooding um, in Barbados, she says, what areas do you think have the most gaps and opportunities now. Lots of people look to coding and tech. Of course, it's a big, booming industry. What areas do you think are underexplored?
1: Well, I carry a stress in my bottom <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pick up to the beige,
1: <laughs> um, the, well, First of all, what, what the pandemic has shown us, the pandemic has flipped around mm-hmm. how we value, who and what we value in our society. Absolutely. I mean, it suddenly, you recognize that the people you took, you took for granted, the activities you took for granted, are suddenly so essential to your life and what you need to do. So I think there are huge opportunities. So on the, what I call the the things like just service within homes, because so many more people are staying at home. So if you look at sales, if you look at courts or asset furniture, sales have gone up, Mm -hmm. more people are at home. Cement companies, sales have gone up, more people doing renovation. Construction, construction. So when you look at that, you're seeing opportunities where people, because they're nesting now. A lot more, now, It's creating opportunities in that space because you have to bring the service to them or whatever it is. So I think there are huge opportunities there.
0: And it's interesting that you even say that um, uh, it's, it's Animal Adoption Week. I was at the Jamaica Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, funny enough, and I was speaking to Pam Lawson, who is the managing director, and I asked her, you know, how is, you know, how are things going, you know? And she said, this is. She saw a boom. She saw an increase in the amount of persons who are bringing their animals. To be um, to be to be um, to visit the, the veterinarian and to adopt and I'm saying I don't get it why and she said well people are now at home they're now looking at it they're now seeing the issues that their animals are having which is why they're not taking them to the uh, to the vet and they said that there are other persons who are now working from home singles who don't have a cat, don't have a dog, and no, they just want companion. a companion. Exactly. And so here it is, there were these areas and sectors that nobody even spoke about really, that are seeing growth because of what's happening um, with, with human social behavior.
1: And the other question to that, I mean, food, I mean, people are eating healthy, you now. With the pandemic, I mean, a big part of fighting it is your, 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 your health. Right. So we're seeing a lot more demand, a lot more demand when I visit companies, smaller companies, for healthier products. Yeah. They want the ginger tea or they want the this or they want the that, they want the gluten free product. So there's a huge amount and food is going to be a big part. I mean food is going to be a big, big part of our growth going forward. But there's supply chain disruption everywhere.
0: Correct. So Correct. I think
1: that so I think there are just big opportunities and I think that we just need to reset because the you know the, what we what we thought were the hot items. pre-COVID disappeared overnight overnight, and people have gone back to basic in many ways back to the things that are more human you know Mm. companionship eating you know I mean so those are things I think have created significant What I consider low barrier to entry opportunities.
0: Good, and we just have to be very mindful, and we always have to be looking, and we have to be listening as well and cutting through the noise, as you say you're very good at doing. Our very last question from social media comes from Tafar Simpson, and he says, what tip would you give to manage mental fatigue, especially in these challenging times? You still have to make your target. You still have to perform. You still have to get your results, and yet still there's a lot of added pressure that's happening just because. And this is just a pandemic, but it could be really anything, any type of crisis. How do you, or what tip or advice would you give to In manage? In fact, we had mental, mental Health Week a
1: couple of weeks correct. ago. I mean, people are people are tired, I'm mentally tired. I mean, I, I just miss traveling. I yeah. mean, I mean I, you know, yeah. but what I try to do for me is I try to take frequent breaks. Mm-hmm. And I try to step away from the work environment. I'm reading a novel, you know. I read a novel frequently, reading novels frequently, and just try to reset. You know, I mean, it's... um. Mental fatigue also comes from sometimes you're wondering so much what's going to happen how am I going to if you're an entrepreneur how am I going to survive will my business survive what's, it, what's mm-hmm. going to happen tomorrow and then you have to separate what am I in control of and what am I not in control of mm-hmm. and what you have to is make sure what you're in control of you do really well mm-hmm. but you have to maintain and maintain yourself in a healthy state is a big part of your responsibility as an entrepreneur especially entrepreneurs because you can't if something happened to you, you can't your business has suffered. You
0: cannot perform. So when
1: I, when you ask me the thing that I am looking for is, I mean, what should I be doing? The health is not a huge part of it. Without a health, without health, you have nothing. You can't execute. So an entrepreneur, you can't, you you can't feel like you get mental fatigue. Stop. Reset. Right, that's different from millennials who feel like they have to be in the mood for the everything, right? <laughs> 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 I right. I mean, that's a different right, thing. Right. Because
0: sometimes you are <laughs> going to have to push through, yeah. but it is—it is, it is not driving yourself into the ground um, where you are literally of no use to yourself, to oh, your business, or to your the business, persons I mean, you might manage.
1: A big company with a thousand people, you know, ten people out number, With an entrepreneur with two, three of you in the business are five. One of you out is a significant part of think. So you have to make sure you're looking about your welfare, mm-hmm. your state of in mind, order to and be your. of service uh, to
0: others. Absolutely. Uh, my last question I, I mean, I know my time is running out, and you've been answering the questions so well, and we thank everyone who submitted their questions. Um, lastly, in this current climate, what are some critical business decisions that businesses need to make now? to ensure business continuity. You were just speaking about health, for example, ensuring that you are taking care of your health. Anything else that um, there should be? I want to go back
1: to cash flow. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's critical that you manage your cash flow properly. You have to be on top of your cash flow. And that's a clear weakness. The other thing we speak about diversification. And I like the idea of diversification, what I call synergistic diversification. I'll make up some big words. (laughs) Um, Meaning that um, you use your current resources to create a new earning stream or whatever. I mean, look, you, look, you look to new markets. Right. That diversification is critical to, your, to, to managing your risk and to growing your growing business. And I think that we need to make sure we expand and forget about what it was that you thought your world was. Huh. E-commerce <laughs> has opened up, has made geographical boundaries no longer an issue. We need to make sure that... Markets that, have opened. Markets have opened. And are now accessible. Very much so. More people are at home online. The social media has become the window to the world utilize those, move fast on those, and that's very important. And at the same time, it's, as I helped before, that the, the cash management, using the innovation and going out there. Mm-hmm. Those are things that I think could pivot. And, I mean, at the end of the day also, it's just having a confidence and the belief that you're going to get through this. I think self-confidence, positivity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's has impo- a lot to do with it has to be. I mean, you can't surround yourself with negativity. Move the negative people out of your space. Because positivity is important. We're going to get through this. You. Your business will survive, and you have, but you have to put in the work. So those are things that I would say in a, in a nutshell are the things that I would say business have to do now.
0: Thank you. Richard, thank you so very much for your time. Thank you to everyone. I think this was a fantastic session. And, of course, we welcome you to give us your feedback. Just make sure you use the hashtag so that we can see you, we can repost, reshare, and retweet. <coughs> this has been fantastic, and thank you um, so very much. It's a wrap. Thank you to everyone tuning in. It has been an honor just to sit down here and to be a part of the Digicel Masterclass series. So in case you're wondering, this will happen every single Thursday at 6 p.m. right here, register, digitalbusiness.com share the link, and of course, tell your friends, your family, your co-workers, and your inner circle, because I think everyone can benefit from the conversation. And you do not want to miss next week or the one after that, because we have some women coming into the building. We will have Aileen Corrigan chief Digicel officer at Digicel, who will provide some keen perspective of what it means to go digital and how to leverage the digital space. Thank you so very much. It is a pleasure serving you as the MC. And this was the first episode of (laughs) Digicel Masterclass. Thank you so very much and be safe. Thanks again, Richard. Thanks for having me. I would shake your hand, but let just uh, do that instead. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. Pleasure. No, great answers. Yes. Great, great, great answers. It's almost like you came prepped to answer all of that.
1: But well, they were easy. Mm? <laughs> you, can, you eat this, for... Yeah. No, no, me, they weren't. But it's just relevant because mm. I'm doing it every day. I know. I, I know. Mean, and, I mean it's, um, and because I'm spending, I probably spend 60% of my time now just working with small business. Wow. I mean, and it's hard. Like, I try to do four companies a week. That's really you <laughs>